visiting this morning, welcome. you not sure what's going on behind me here. But anyway, you could not have picked a better weekend uh, to be with us. We're starting a brand new series this morning. I apologize for that, whatever that was. Uh, brand new series this morning. What is going on here? What, what are you doing? Okay, I can assure you there is no fire anywhere in this building. And Okay, what are you doing? It says sign up to serve. Yeah? I'm signing up to serve. <laughs> well, wait till after the service. I haven't even preached the message yet. Get off the stage. But I still love you, little brother. So cute. That all happened organically. That, that wasn't planned at all. Grassroots, baby. Well, if you're visiting, welcome. I know it's kind of strange to start a new series on May Long Weekend, but we get to this point in the calendar and we find there is no longer any good weekends to start a series. So we figured, you know what? The spiritual people are going to be in church. And so we're going to start our series this morning. We're so glad that you're here. I want to start this morning by asking you a question. And it's an interesting question because it's one of the few questions on earth where I think everybody's going to have the exact same response. And the question is this, do you want to be happy? All right, a few people want to be happy. Excellent. Excellent. Um, This is what most people want. The desire of almost everybody's heart is to be truly happy. And I'll let you in a little secret. Most people think that when people come to church, they're on a truth quest. And sometimes they are. Sometimes people are, are genuinely seeking truth. But the reality is that what the majority of people are seeking is happiness. Most people are on a happiness quest. They want to figure out what is it in this life that's going to make me truly happy. And you're in luck this morning because I'm going to tell you this morning what that something is. Uh, back in March, uh, most of the world was busy watching, and I know I was watching uh, as uh, the Catholic Church elected a new pope. And they elected Pope Francis, and uh, I always find it really interesting to watch conclave and things like that and just how they, how they do it. And, and very quickly after he was elected, people began to, to murmur among themselves, there's something a little bit different about this guy. And, and one, pope, one commentator even said, you know, I think what's different is this pope is acting like a Christian. And Pope Francis, he wasn't quite, he isn't quite out of the mold of, of many people. He seems to be breaking with a lot of tradition. And around Easter time, he broke with a tradition that goes back to the 12th century. This tradition goes back 800 years. And this tradition that they have is that the pope washes the feet of the cardinals. He washes the feet of the other leaders in the church. And Pope Francis decided to break with this tradition. And what he was going to do instead was he was going to go to a local prison. And in that local prison, he washed the feet of prisoners, including two Muslims and two women. And people were really, really floored by this, the fact that the Pope would humble himself and go to a prison and do this. And you might wonder, well, where did the popes get this idea of, of foot washing? Well, we're going to be getting into that in just a minute. But before we get there, I need you to understand that humbly serving is one of the cardinal values of the Christian faith. In fact, it is one of the cornerstones of the Christian faith, is humbly serving one another. And it's amazing, absolutely amazing. You'd be floored by the very small number of people who actually understand this. Um, if the definition of the Christian faith is to believe Jesus and do what he says... And the church is in major, major trouble. You see, we have a problem we have in our, our world. We have a lie in our world that most people have bought into. It's a lie our culture tells us, a lie that our very nature tells us. And this is that lie. That lie is, what will make me truly happy is a world that revolves around me. What will make me truly happy is a world where I can do whatever I want and not experience any consequences because it's all about me. That's what our nature tells us. That's what our world tells us. That's what our culture tells us. And I have to tell you this morning that it is a 
lie. Because, and, and you can see, you look around you, you look at our world, are people happy? No, they're really not. And by the way, this has trickled over into church world as well, because what has happened is if you look at a lot of the music we sing or a lot of the feel-good messages that get preached, it's really little more than a self-help seminar, and it's all about you, being your best self, you, 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 me, 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 me. We've created a generation of me monsters. We've individualized something that was meant to be corporate. We're doing things by ourselves and for ourselves, as opposed to doing things for and with other people, which is the call of the church. Pastor Allen keeps talking about the abundant life or, or the blessed life. And this is a simple definition of the abundant life or being blessed means to be truly happy. People are on a happiness quest. People want to be happy. People want to find that thing that's going to bring them joy. And some people say, well, I've tried Jesus and he doesn't work. Doesn't work for me. Jesus didn't work for me. Well, well here's the thing I have to remind you. And Pastor Allen reminded us last week as well. If you're going to try Jesus, if you're honestly going to try Jesus, you need to do it Jesus' way. If you're going to try Jesus, you need to do it his way. You have to do what he says. Now, can I remind you this morning that happiness, real happiness, real joy, is an inside job. Again, we have a culture and, and a nature sometimes that tells us that what will make us happy is, is all these external circumstances in life, all these things around us. And if I could have a, a nicer car, or if I could have a bigger house, or if I could have a younger wife, or if I could have a, all the money in the world, or all the sex in the world, or all the whatever in the world, that's what's going to make me happy. And you look at people who have all those things, and they're miserable. Because they fail to understand that happiness, true joy, is an inside job. True happiness comes from an internal transformation. That's what brings joy that lasts for a lifetime. External circumstances, external things, you know, fun stuff, that'll bring a little bit of pleasure for a short period of time, but what will truly make you happy is this, the Apostle Paul said to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This inside change, this change that takes place in your heart and in your mind and in your worldview. Now, there are three keys to understanding this internal transformation. Here's what they are. First of all, your attitude. Secondly, your understanding. And third, your knowledge. Notice that in front of each of those is the word your. This is, this is the one time where it is about you. where It's your responsibility. In fact, I'll tell you something. The only thing and the only person holding you back from being truly happy is the person looking you in the mirror. The only thing that's holding you back from being happy is you and your attitude, your understanding, and your knowledge. So let's jump into this here. Number one, you have to have the attitude of a servant. If you want to be truly happy, if you want to have the abundant life, if you want to be blessed by God, if you want to be happy, you have to have the attitude of a servant. And that sounds completely counter to what our world tells us. It sounds completely counter to what our own nature tells us. And yet, this is what Jesus tells us. In fact, let's read the scripture together this morning. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master. Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. 
God will bless you for doing them. Well, let's put the story in context a little bit here. Um, Many of you are probably familiar with the passage of John 13 where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. They're preparing to have the Last Supper. They're preparing to have the Passover meal. And uh, let's just go back in time for a minute here. Uh, Jesus and his disciples have been up in the north, and they're traveling south. They're traveling south to Jerusalem, where Jesus will ultimately be put to death. He'll be crucified. And as they're making their way south, there's this consistent argument, this consistent conversation going on between the disciples as to which one of them is the greatest. Which one of them is the best? You see, they don't quite understand this idea of Jesus as the Messiah, the one the people are waiting for. They thought that Jesus was going to be an earthly king and set up his kingdom, set up his government, and rather they thought they were going to be the government. If Jesus was going to be the king, they're going to be the government. And so they're arguing among themselves, who's going to be the greatest? And in fact, James and John at one point even come over to Jesus and say, listen, I, I know you already admonished us for this, but you can tell us it's just the three of us, right? We're the greatest, right? Right? We're the greatest. And in fact, the book of John tells us they even brought their mom. They brought their mom to try and convince Jesus they were the greatest. And if you know anything about Jewish mothers, you know they can convince you of almost anything. They brought their mom to get Jesus to tell them they were the greatest. And Jesus said, you guys just do not get it. And so they get to the Last Supper and they go into the upper room. They go into this house where they're going to be eating. And they're getting set to eat their meal, and they start to look around, and, and they realize something's, something's not quite right. There's no servant there. You see, in the ancient Near East, hospitality was one of the singularly most important things. It still is in, in Middle Eastern culture. Hospitality is everything. And when your guests come to your home, you offer them something to eat, something to drink, and you offer to wash their feet. Because it's dusty, it's dirty, and, and quite frankly, you don't want to be smelling that during your meal. And the disciples start looking around and they start saying, wait a minute, where are all the servants? Nobody's here to wash our feet. And they start murmuring amongst themselves, all right, who's going to do it? I hope it's not going to be IBM. I hope it's going to be Judas. He's got all the money and I hope it's going to be... And they're all muttering about themselves, who's going to wash the feet? They were willing to fight for the throne. They're not willing to fight for the towel. And then Jesus... They see him out of the corner of their eye. He starts taking off his robe. And he wraps a towel around his waist. And he kneels down and he, Jesus, the Messiah, the King, the Lord and Master, starts to clean the feet of his disciples. And after he's washed their feet, he explains to them what it is he's doing. Jesus explains to them that the attitude of all who profess to be Christian is to be a servant. The attitude of all who profess Christ as Lord and Savior must be servants. Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His own life as a ransom for many. And it starts with your attitude. Let me remind you this morning what attitude is. The definition of attitude is as follows. Attitude is a complex mental state involving beliefs, feelings, and values, and dispositions to act in certain ways. Here's what that's saying. What you believe is going to dictate the way you act. What your worldview is, what you have in your heart is going to dictate the way that you act. If I asked everybody here this morning, do you believe in feeding poor people and hungry people? Everybody would say yes. But the next question is, when was the last time you did it? 
the answer changes a little bit. If I ask anyone here this morning, do you believe in giving to missions and spreading the gospel? Telling people about Jesus? Absolutely we do. Well, when was the last time you did it? Oh. Your attitude dictates your actions. And your actions reveal what is in your heart. They reveal what your attitude is. And Jesus says that our attitude must be that of a servant. Now, he's not talking about being servant-like every once in a while. He's not talking about being servant-like when it's convenient or when you feel like it. He's saying, listen, this is about a lifestyle and a worldview that is completely other-oriented, where others are greater than yourself. This is what will make you truly happy. God will bless you for doing these things. Jesus was asked once, what does it mean? How, how do I become a disciple? And he said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to take up your cross. What's the cross? The cross is an instrument of destruction and death. What he's saying is, if you want to be my disciple, you need to die to yourself. You need to put the old self to death. You need to die to your own ambitions, your own desires. You need to die to what you want, and you need to come over to what I want. You need to die to your old nature of sin and put on the new nature of Christ. Because it's not about you. And it never was. It's about Him. Now, in case anybody's wondering, here's, here's my definition of what a disciple is. A disciple says, I am fully committed. A disciple says, I am in 100%. A disciple says, I am fully surrendered. A disciple says, tell me how to live my life. Tell me what to do. What would you have me do? And before you even give me the answer, my answer is yes. Let me say it again. Tell me what to do. Tell me how you would have me live my life. And before you give me the answer, my answer is yes. I am totally committed. Again, this is a worldview change. It calls for a drastic and radical change in the way you think, the way you believe, the way you feel, and ultimately the way that you act. Let me give you an example of this. We get people coming to church all the time. They come from other churches or other places, and, and they come in, and right away they want to dictate. This is how the church should be run. Well, at our old church we did this, and there's this new cutting-edge church in the States, they're doing this, or back in the 70s we did this, and why can't we have this, and there's this problem, that problem. And very, very rarely, very rarely, do people come in and say, what do you need? How can I serve you? How can I serve this body of believers called Cross Church? And when we get those people, man, it's an awesome day, because those people are the ones who do truly amazing things for God. But instead, people, they want to they dictate. And then, when they don't get their way, guess what happens? People start to complain. People start to criticize. People start to gossip. They start to find all these other problems. Now, before I make my next comment, I have to say I have full authority to speak on this, and I'll tell you why, as I used to be a problem person. I used to absolutely 100% be one of those judgmental, critical, oh, nothing's right, and I could do better than the pastor, and oh, it's watered down, and the music's too loud, and blah, blah, blah. That was me, okay? So here's what I want you to think about. Don't bring us problems. Your personal problems, that's cool. That's what we're here for. That's what pastoring's all about. But if it's problems you have with church, don't bring us problems. Bring us solutions. Serve. Bring solutions. And better yet, don't be a problem. Be a solution. 
That's what Jesus is calling you to do. To live together in unity and love and peace with one another. As we're going to see in just a moment, when Christians act in that way, when Christians act like Christ, man, the world takes notice. Now, you might say this idea of having an attitude of a servant, man, that sounds awful hard. Yeah, it's really hard. In fact, it is absolutely 100% impossible to do unless you have the work of the Holy Spirit at work in your heart. One of the things that I love about this church and I love about our leadership here is the solid teaching that being Pentecostal, we're a Pentecostal church, we're not a wacky one, we're one of the good ones, but uh, the thing about Pentecostalism that I love is the fact that we are all about being spirit-led and spirit-influenced. Let's face it, we live in the West. We have a lot of money. And what we could do if we wanted to, we could very easily just program the heck out of everything. We've got this program for this, this program for that. We, we don't really don't need God. We can just do church without Him. And I'll, I'll tell you something, a lot of churches operate that way. But I can assure you that is not how this church operates. This church operates walking in line with the Holy Spirit. Before we take a step, before we make a decision, we say, God, what would you have us do? How would you have us live? And before you give us the answer, my answer is yes. Our answer is yes. You need the Holy Spirit at work in your heart. When you become a Christian, you give up your old nature and Christ lives inside you and you're never the same again. You have a new nature. And I can tell you from my own experience, we, we have a lot of opportunities to, to test this. From my own experience, I can tell you that I am faced with hundreds, probably even thousands of decisions every day. Some of them are, are very minor. Some of them are probably life and death. But many of these decisions are choices that I need to make whether or not I'm going to be self-oriented or whether I'm going to be other-oriented. Whether I'm going to do what I want to do or whether I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Whether I'm going to serve myself or whether I'm going to serve other people. And it's at these golden moments that I discover whether or not my attitude is controlled by the Spirit or not. And it's during these golden moments that you discover whether your attitude is controlled by the Holy Spirit or not. But I'll tell you something this morning. If you want to be truly happy, you need to have the attitude of a servant. You need to put others first. You need to look in the mirror and say, it's not about me, it's about we. It's about other people. Attitude of a servant. Secondly, we need to understand God's will. We need to understand the will of God. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 14. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Okay, that's pretty clear. Clearly, God's will for each of us is to wash each other's feet. In other words, God's will for us is to serve one another humbly. This is what authentic Christianity looks like. And I'm going to tell you something. This is critical. When the unbelieving world, when the world outside these doors sees Christians acting like they're Christ, it brings glory to our Father in heaven. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 5, 16, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. People were amazed to see a Pope acting like a Christian. People are always amazed when Christians act like Christians, because so often that we don't. And, and here's something we need to understand. Christianity is a lot like politics. In that perception is everything. To the outside world, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you say. What matters 
is how you live your life. What matters is what you do. And we need to understand this morning. I need you to understand. You may be the only Jesus that a person ever sees. Did you get that? As a Christian, you are Christ to people all around you. You may be the only Jesus that somebody ever sees. And I'm going to tell you something. Whatever their perception is of you, that is their perception of Jesus. However they perceive you, whatever they see you doing, that is their opinion of Christ and his entire church. This is why it's so important to be humble, to be other-oriented, and to be filled and led by the Spirit of Christ, by the Holy Spirit. We need to be mirrors that reflect Christ to a broken and hurting, dying world so desperately devoid of and in need of hope. Now, Here's why God demands that we serve. There's two reasons. Number one, serving is the only way we can truly love as commanded by Christ Jesus. Serving is the only way that we can truly show love to one another. In fact, John 13, 1 says, Jesus now showed the full extent of his love by humbly serving those around him. This is also why it's so important to be part of a body of believers. Be part of the church. Because here's the thing. I talk to a lot of people and they, they sit at home and they watch their religious broadcast and they've done church. Okay, I need you to listen and see the problem with this. When it's just you sitting at home, when you're a church of one, there's only one person you can serve. And that person is you. And when you're serving you, you're not really serving because you're serving yourself. You're serving your old nature. Jesus has put us in a body of believers called his church so that we can humbly serve one another in love and they can humbly serve us in love right back. Because a lot of people are really worried. A lot of people say, well, if I go all out there for people and if I serve people, people are going to take advantage of me. Well, they might. But people took advantage of Jesus. People took advantage of the apostles. People take advantage of us all the time. It happens. But that doesn't negate the fact that we're supposed to humbly serve. And you might say, well, what about this person? They said this to me or they did this to me and I can never forget. Listen to me. Jesus washed the feet of one of his best friends who was about to betray him unto death. Serving is the only way we can truly love as commanded by Christ. Jesus gave everything. For you. What are you going to give to him? And secondly, it's the only way. Serving is the only way we can overcome our horrible, selfish nature. We're selfish people. Let's face it. I think we can all... In fact, say that to the person, tell the person beside you, you're a selfish person. All right, now you turn around and you say it right back to them because they're selfish too. We're selfish In fact, selfishness is the very definition of sin. Sin is being self-centered. The root of every sin is pride, wanting to be God in our own life, wanting to call the shots, and wanting it to be all about me. And it takes you down a road to misery and not to happiness. And when we serve others and we're other-oriented, that starts to change. Now, before we go any further, I I want to make this point. Very often... The teachings in Scripture are very logical. They make sense. Okay, we all understand 
Thou shalt not murder. Everyone's clear on that, why that's a good thing? Excellent. Thou shalt not lie. That's a good thing. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Hollywood doesn't get it. We do. Shouldn't commit adultery. That's a bad idea. Okay, this makes sense. And we're happy that most people understand these things. But a lot of what Jesus teaches runs so incredibly counter to our culture and so incredibly counter to what seems logical to us. And one of those things is this idea that what will make us happy is not serving ourselves but serving others. Jesus is often telling us to do the opposite of what comes naturally to us. This is why we need to be born again. This is why we need the Holy Spirit of God to live in our hearts and lives and guide us and lead us in paths of righteousness. We're born proud. We're born self-centered. We like to be served. In fact, the status symbol for many people is, I have servants. I have three secretaries. I have this. I have that. We like to be served. But we need to understand that serving if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you're a disciple of Jesus, serving is not optional. It's not an option. Because if you're not serving other people, you're serving yourself. And again, this is, this is the very will of God. The very will of God and doing the will of God is the only way that you will ever be truly happy. You need to have the attitude of a servant. You need to understand God's will for your life. And finally, you need to know what your ministry is. You need to know where you fit. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Or a simple way to put it is, now that you understand that your attitude should be that of a servant, and now that you understand God's will for your life, serve each other and be happy. Tell the person beside you, be happy. All right, I did theater for years. I can see through these lights, and some of you aren't happy yet. Some of you aren't smiling. You've got to smile if you're happy. And some of you aren't happy because you're not serving. But we're going to rectify that in just a minute. Don't worry. Now, here's the good news. Pastor Allen and the elders here and the staff here are so committed to helping you find your place in the body, so committed to helping you be happy. Here's what we've done. Is we have come up with this series to help you find your place in the body, to help you find where you're going to serve. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be helping everyone find a place where they fit. I'm going to tell you, I'll let you in a little secret. A lot of people say, well, I I don't know if I want to serve because I feel really disconnected. I don't know anybody. Okay, there is no better way to get connected with people than to serve together because you already have something in common. In fact, you talk to anybody here and you ask them, how did you make your friends at church? They'll say, you know, we serve together in a ministry or we serve together in some capacity. In fact, if you're a single person this morning, I'll let you in on this. I met my wife serving at a homeless shelter. And neither of us were living there. I just want to make that clear. Serving. It's a great way to connect with people. Now, I know there's someone here this morning, and they're asking this question. The Eeyore question. What could I do? Woe is me. What could I do? I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. Listen to me. Jesus makes it clear, and the Bible as a whole makes it clear, that God has a special plan and purpose for the life of every single believer. Okay, God doesn't leave anybody out when he's making plans. God has a special plan and purpose that only you can fulfill, only you can achieve, only you can do. Every single believer has a plan and a purpose God has for them. And so the question is never, what could I do? The question is, what should I do and what should I have been doing all along? 
What is God's will for my life? What's God's will for me? What should I do? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I'm about to tell you what you should do. Ministry can be broken down into two categories. The first one's really simple. It's called general serving. General serving is things like help, basically helping out wherever there's a need. You can do things like um, require a little strength, a little training, set up tables, wash dishes, pick up litter, help clean. And you might say, well, that doesn't sound very prestigious. That's the point. You might even get dirty. But it's good for you and it's good for me because it's what Jesus prescribes as the only thing that will make you happy is by serving. The opportunity of being the hands and feet and mouth and heart of Jesus to a broken and hurting and dying world. Secondly is serving according to your gifts. And we're going to be talking more about this in the weeks to come. Um, Everybody's gifted in different ways. I can get up here and talk on a Sunday morning. If you ask me to do anything with my computer, forget it. If you ask me to build anything, forget it. We all have different areas of gifting. And God endows each church with a good mixture of skills. And a lot of people think, well, my skills aren't useful in church world. Well, yeah, they are. Some people think it's only things like singing or playing in the band or teaching, and those things are awesome. And if you have those giftings, you want to help you get plugged in and use them. But for others, it's things like construction or administration or project management or data entry. Maybe you have the spiritual gift of leadership or hospitality or generosity. These are all gifts, and they can be used and need to be used. And so in the weeks ahead, we're going to give everyone ample opportunity to get happy and get serving. I'll give you a couple examples. On March 25th, we're having a work day here at the church. Some of the men have organized this. Having a work day here, as you know, there's a lot of little jobs need to get done, a lot of little maintenance things around the building that need to be taken care of. So starting 8 o'clock on the 25th of May, if you want to serve, maybe you can do construction, or even if you can sweep floors, that's great. Show up. Talk to Dennis Barrett. Sign up with him. There's an opportunity to serve. Now, if construction is not your thing, here's the good news. We did up a list, and there are 44 different jobs that we need people to do around the church. And we need multiple people for almost each of them. 44 different areas where we need people to serve. And in case, if you can't find a job that you think you can do on this list, we even have a little blank here that says other. So if you're an other, sign up there. But I want to make sure, uh, there's a kiosk at the back wall here, right underneath the, the help banner, and out in the atrium as well. You can get one of these, take it home, think about it, pray about it. If you forget it at home, that's okay, that's what I do too. We'll give you another one next week, it's cool. Or you can sign up today if you feel God's calling you to something. But sign up to serve. Sign up to be happy. Jesus says God will bless you for doing these things. God will bless you for doing these things. Now, I want to close by saying this. Nobody who serves here or serves anywhere does it without there being some sacrifice required. When we serve others, it means we're putting ourselves aside. We're putting our lives on hold. We're putting ourselves on hold. Being other-oriented requires a sacrifice on our part. Nobody who serves here hasn't made sacrifices. Pastor Allen, our bands, the ladies who do funerals, children and youth workers, cafe maintenance people, tech people, our elders, our staff, our, everybody. And if I missed your ministry, I apologize. But everyone who serves here during the week works their butts off. Usually most people don't even notice what they do. But God does. And he will bless you for these things.
My time's almost gone. I wanted to close by telling you uh, just a really, really short story. And uh, it's, it's, it's my story. It's a little bit of my testimony uh, because I thought it, it fit kind of well with this idea. Um, as many of you know, I did theater for a number of years. Uh, since I was 16, I'd, I'd done theater professionally on and off. And then from 2009 to 2011, I did it full time. And, uh, and I loved it. And I, I was good at it. And when I first started doing theater, I said to God, Okay, God, you've gifted me in this area. I want to use it to serve you. I want to use it to lead other people to you. And I wrote a play in 2009 called Padre X. And the following year, I did it at the Winnipeg Fringe Festival. And something weird happened. It was a huge hit. People were lining up hours ahead of time to get tickets. I think we sold out in 14 minutes one day. We are getting five-star reviews in the papers. The Free Press and CBC, two very secular organizations, are praising this very, very Christian play. And it was weird. But I'll tell you something. There is no high like fame. And eventually I started traveling across the country. I've done, had the privilege to do Padrex all over the country. But one of the problems is the theater world is a very, very self-centered world. It's all about self-promotion. It's all about you. It's always about the attention on you. And what happened is over time, I was spending less and less time being focused on how God wanted to use my gift and more and more time focused on how I wanted to do it. I wanted to take on more secular roles. I wanted to do this piece. I wanted to do that piece. I wanted to work with this director, that director. And it got to a point where there was truly nothing more important in my life than my work, than my career, my art. I cared about it more than my family, more than church, more than anything else. And when that happened, guess what happened? The work started drying, drying up. And I'll tell you, sometimes the kindest thing that God can do is allow us to suffer the consequences of our own actions. And eventually it got to a point where Jenna said, you know what, you need to get another job. And I was furious that she would have the audacity to ask me to get a job. Didn't she understand that my art, my work, was the most important thing in the whole world? Didn't she understand it was more important than the fact that we had a three-month-old baby at home? Didn't she, didn't she get it? I put a lot of things in jeopardy. I damaged a lot of relationships by being self-centered. And so I thought about it and I thought, well, I went to Bible school, I went to be a pastor, and that was really the only thing I could ever see myself doing. So I came here and I asked Pastor Allen for a job. And for some reason he gave me one. And he offered me an internship and I took it. And I'll tell you something, honestly, I, I really resented it. For the first several months. I really resented it. I resented not being able to do what I wanted to do. But then things started to change a little bit. And I'll tell you what started to change. Being in a role where I was forced to serve other people. Helped me to start to develop the attitude of a servant. And Jesus got a hold of my heart. And the Holy Spirit started to have freedom to work. And I'll tell you something. There is no high like fame. But there is no joy like serving others. That's what brings lasting joy. God has given gifts to each of us. Special things that only you can do. 
special areas where only you can serve. If you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed by God, sign up to serve. Let's stand and pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can come to your word and learn how to live our life. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that you have presented us with this morning. Thank you for the challenge that you are placing on the hearts of the people in this church this morning. Lord, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would begin to reveal in the hearts of each and every person here the role that you would have them fill. Where you want them to serve. That special something that only they can do. Lord, young or old, you have a plan and a purpose for every single person here. Nobody ever outlives their purpose, outlives their calling. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Help us to do the hard thing. Help us to go to the back and pick up a form and start looking at areas where we can serve. And help us in our daily walk to be Jesus to people. Help us to serve other people. Help us to do the difficult things. Help us to give up our seat on the bus. Help us not to have to be first for everything. Help us to die to ourselves and live to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for this day. Bless everybody here in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be the only Jesus that somebody ever sees. So go and be the hands and feet and heart and mouth of Jesus to a broken and hurting and dying world. Let's roll up our sleeves, suck up our pride, and get busy. Sign up to serve. In fact, say that to somebody beside you. Tell them, sign up to serve today. God bless you.